The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. We have to make our own decisions from moment to moment, and we will know in our lives what's best for us in that moment. Motherhood. Imagine yourself on your deathbed. Who do you see? If you see your children and you know that you want that in your life, then get on with it. Don't wait until your body or your eggs or whatever say, I can't. And everything in between. I think that's where my ambition really managed to stay and strengthen and crystallise. When I'm in the room, I'm bringing 110, 110%. I'm bringing my A game all the time. Mm. So they're never seeing a woman who's thinking about the school gates or whatever. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent. And I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices, and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. Never ask permission to do what you have to do as a parent. You tell them what you have to do. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Ambitious Mum podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, I'm your host and I guess if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. It is episode four and I'm really excited about this week's guest. She was an absolute delight to speak to and I think you're going to find it really interesting. But before I introduce her, I just wanted to say very quickly that I've had loads of people over the past couple of weeks asking me about the podcast and asking me, why did I set it up? Um, you know, what made you want to go from sort of well-being coaching to setting up an, uh, a podcast about women and ambition? And for me, there's a massive correlation because listening to people's stories and asking questions and offering them a platform to, to talk about their lives and talk about their desires and talk about missed opportunities or being patient or, I guess, being kind to themselves, this is helping lots of other people with their well-being. To be honest, I wasn't even aware of what certain you know, sentences or insights might resonate with other people. I've had lots of feedback over the past few weeks about certain things that my guests have said. And that is what has made it really worthwhile for me because it's amazing how much another person's story or just being able to acknowledge what someone else has gone through to be able to see it through your own eyes as well and to be able to say okay well that person's gone through that I can deal with it as well so I really hope that um the future conversations and women's stories continue to help and support Hopefully each episode, each guest will bring something new to the table. If there is anything that has been talked about that does really deeply resonate, I'd love to hear more. So on to this week's guest. Her name is Tanya Moody. She is a theatre and TV actor. She is RADA trained and she also teaches now at RADA and that is where I interviewed her, which was very exciting because I never thought I'd ever step inside um, RADA, bearing in mind that I don't really have any dramatic bone in my body. So that was lovely to speak to her then. And the reason why I contacted her and asked her to be on the podcast is because she plays a fantastic character called Meg on um, one of my favourite shows, a comedy shows called Motherland on the BBC. She wasn't in the first series and she came um her, her character arrived in the second series 
and she basically burst onto the the screen this like amazing ball of energy and she's a complete parody of you know whatever you'd see as an ambitious mum I think she works in the city she's got some high-flying job she's you know flying all over the you know the globe presenting and and doing all the things that a career woman would do and she also has you know five kids as you do so it's she portrays a very very funny character but also she portrays someone that is a little bit unhinged due to the pressures that she is facing and she plays that with great comedy effect but also there's you know this essence of truth and we can see that in ourselves that sometimes we do just need to blow off steam or we do just need to go and have a few drinks because you know the pressures that we're facing and the responsibilities that we have within our home life and maybe career life and you know all of it personal aspects of our lives with regards to relationships and um, being um, good parents, good children, good siblings, good friends, all those things. And sometimes, you know, we we do kind of combust a little bit um, as Meg does on the show. So not only does Tanya play Meg on Motherland, she has also played loads of amazing characters. She's been on Sherlock throughout the different series and she's been in amazing um, theatre productions as well. So she was just a delight to talk to and she was really honest and open about being a mum within the TV and theatre industry, something I have absolutely no idea about. And, you know, with my rose-tinted glasses, I would see, you know, working in TV and and theatre and film as being super glamorous and you'd have loads of help and um, support at your, your disposal. But I don't think it works quite like that. And, you know, if you want to be ambitious within this industry, there is a price to pay and Tanya talks about it. We delve into lots of different subjects but I really valued her honesty and being able to paint a picture that you know no matter what industry we work in, no matter you know how much we're earning and and what kind of kudos and whether we're we're on screen or not, it's bloody hard work um, I guess keeping on top of our careers and our ambitions as well as wanting to be as present as we can for our children and our families. So without further ado, I will let you listen to the episode as normal. If you do have anything to say or if anything has really sort of struck a chord, I would love to hear. Drop me an email, send me a message on social media. Let me know how this has had an impact on you. And um, I hope you enjoy. Okay, so Tanya, thank you so much for being here. We have Tanya Moody here. We're sat in the RADA studios. I feel like I definitely don't belong here. It was so interesting just to be able to see all the different bits of the building. So I had a little nosy as I walked in. So thank you so much for for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a really exciting subject matter that I care quite passionately about, actually. Oh, good. Well, I asked the right person. So the reason why I initially contacted you was because I had seen you on other things on TV. I sort of couldn't quite place your face. Then I saw you on Motherland. One of my favourite programmes, second series came out, you were on it and you kind of just like burst onto the the screen and you made me laugh from a personal perspective because I've got four kids, your character has got five kids. Yeah. And not only has she got five kids, she also had some high-flying, ridiculous international career and it was, it was obviously a parody but it was very funny in the way that you did it. And 
I'm interested to know how did you have any involvement in the development of that character or were you did you know that was the character and you got cast for it? Um, I think there was a a kind of mix of both. Um, The character came from a real person who was a friend of one of the writers. And they, I think, I mean, if anyone has seen the first series, would kind of agree that it was was pretty much like a perfect recipe initially in the first series. Anyway, it didn't need tinkering with ostensibly. Um, so I think there's always that apprehension where if something isn't broke, you shouldn't fix it. But I, from what I gather, from what the writers have said themselves in public interviews, is that they felt they wanted just one more element of someone who was quite different to the other woman, and that would sort of challenge them even more. And also they wanted to um, add a... a an element of ethnic diversity to that group. Yeah. Because because it's set in London, then it would be more, you know, represent representative of actual schoolyard friendship groups that happen around schools here yeah, up and down the city. Um, so they so the character wasn't sort of fabricated as it were, it was someone that they knew. Um, but at the same time, they were sort of open to the actors that they saw in terms of what we were bringing to the table because you can put someone that you know or have an idea of that person, put them on paper, but then that writing process is constantly evolving and changing and, um, and shifting. So, I mean, I met three times before I was offered the job and I think in that process of meeting several times as well, I think <clears throat> that it was down for them to find that voice of Meg that would then be translated through me as an artist and, and what that was like. Okay. So, so when I was off of the job, then eventually I went in and had a couple more meetings just to talk about, in a way, maybe just to talk as well, so they could hear me just speak yeah. in the room, see me as a person, how I dress, how I behave, how I move, my rhythms and stuff. And, um, and then that started to be incorporated in, because I suppose it, for it to come not only off the page, but off the screen, it's got to be really quite embodied, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it felt very sort of natural the way you sort of just came in and you kind of own the character. That's great. It's such a relief. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we were doing it at the time, you're just thinking, oh, God, please don't get it wrong. Please oh, don't no, that. I loved it. Yeah, and I was such a fangirl of the other actresses because I think they're all brilliant. They so, are amazing. You know, so it was, I spent a lot of time kind of watching them, really, yeah. and just being a bit in awe yeah. and feeling really lucky. You know, and so the fact there. that they had chosen for you to have five kids... Yeah, now let me figure that out. Because that's quite like, extreme. I've got my two little girls, and I've got my husband's older two. Is it? Is it four? I think I've got four. I've had, I really? I I, I made the cut. Okay, you know five. better than me. I tell you what, though, because the only one, because the, the ones that I met, I'm just wondering whether or not there was one that we mentioned that sort of wasn't there, and the ones that we that I worked with as well. I'm sort of like counting my okay. doing a head count in my I, head. I'm thinking. Listen. Surrounded by children. Okay, what's one more anyway? Yeah, what's one more? You've got four, what's another one? Knowing Meg, she probably has some some, some past relationship somewhere that's (laughs) like... From some guy in the club that she met. You know what I mean? Like living in Morocco now or something, who knows? Um, so yeah so that that character was fantastic and I kind of made me think as a mum with four kids how I need to let off more steam mm. <laughs> I need to go to a club and do what she did is that what you thought I never thought that <laughs> not even for a moment not even for a second did I think gee I need to be more like Meg no 
Never. I was thinking that club night, I mean, maybe towards the end, maybe not. But, you know, when she was in the thick of it with the tequila shots, <laughs> wow. and all, I was thinking, I need to do that more. Um, but yeah, so that kind of, that's why I initially came to you. And then I just thought it wouldn't be great to speak to someone who works in theatre, works in TV, and is juggling also having um, a child and what all that brings. And you then very kindly sent me a link to the um, Parents in the Performing Arts. Yes. And I found that really fascinating as well, that you kind of do think, and I think maybe when you're not working in the, in the industry like myself, you mm. kind of sometimes think, oh, how do, how do actors do it when they've got kids and they're working in the theatre every night? Or yeah. how do they do it when they're on set? Yeah, because you only hear about the very, very terribly, terribly, terribly wealthy ones. You, know, you hear, like, it, yeah, like the Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, Paltrow and and yeah. like you're <laughs> like, fly everyone out, fly my special Winnebago out that's been kissed out. All <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, yeah, they can do that. Yeah, when well, you see Angelina Jolie doing that yeah. with, you know, you know all her brood, and you think, oh, that looks pretty simple. Yeah, it's definitely not like that for the rest of us. And, you know, I, I love going to the theatre, and you see these people on stage every mm. single night, sometimes yeah. doing the matinee and the evening. Yeah. How is, how is that even done if you have got kids? And do you have to have a partner at home that doesn't work in the same industry? Mm-hmm. Do you have to have family nearby or do you no. have to rely, you know, purely on yeah. childcare? I, I always try to um, have this conversation with um, student actors. Like, if I ever come back here to Rolla to, to do any talks with any of the students, I always hope that we get on the subject of parenting um, because I think that, I mean, particularly the young women, but also the young men, I encourage them to ask about that now because I think there's a, a concern with young um, performers that... I might not be able to have a family. If that's my secret dream, I might not be able to do that um, because of the nature of the business. So I always really want to talk openly about it. So these so these um, people that are coming in, sort of 18, 19, yeah. they're having the conversation straight away. Yeah, exactly. really important. I think it's so important. Um, yeah, for many reasons, which I can touch on later. But I think the main thing that I try to impress upon uh, young people, if they feel, if at any time in their lives if they see themselves in the future, I kind of say to them, go to your, imagine yourself on your deathbed. It's like a movie scene on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the people around you that you love. Who do you see? If you see your children in some way, shape or form or whatever, and you know that you want that in your life, then get on with it. Like don't, don't wait until your body or your eggs or whatever say, I'm really not into this. It would have been a nice idea, but I can't. That's so interesting. Do it. And then the reason why I say that to them is because someone told me that and I'm forever indebted to her. There was um, an older dancer, a choreographer who came to stay with me once. And uh, I was in my early 30s. And she just said, she just asked me that question. And... um, and I was really taken aback when she was like, get on with it. And I was like, why? Why are you getting so heavy with me? Yeah. And she said, well, I was once your age and in your position. And I had a fantastic relationship. And I had an international career as a dancer. And I put it off and put it off. And then my relationship broke down. And then I met somebody else. And it was the right relationship. But then I tried to have children and it was too late, just biologically. Mm. And I never did. And I've always regretted it. And I was really like taken aback by her candor and her honesty Mm. and her compassion for me to kind of just take me aside and say you need to consider this so 
I, I did take action on her advice. It took me quite a long time to get pregnant just because I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and things like that. So I had to deal with physical stuff, yeah. you know, medical stuff, which a lot of my friends, I mean, my God, I've got friends who've got fibroids, all sorts of things. Yeah. My old agent only had one ovary, for God's sake. Like, you know, people have other stuff to consider as well. And you don't, you don't hear about that oh, when God. you're in your early 20s. No one talks no. about that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like, oh, I just look at a guy and I get pregnant. I'm going to yeah. be careful. It doesn't really work like that nowadays there's mm. so many factors as well that just actually I think make it a lot harder like environmental stresses just loads of stuff yeah you know um and also we I feel like we're at that stage where we're trying to kind of create these empowered women and then if you start talking about babies and being like maternal then it yeah. kind of takes away from all this kind of empowerment that we're trying to give women so you've got to have careers and yeah. you've got to strive and you've got to have this ambition to do something with your life and almost saying don't forget to have babies almost kind of takes it takes us back like yeah. a few decades you know i had so, I, I had so much fear about that because I, I was so um sharply ambitious you know i had no fear of the word ambition you know i, I come from north america originally i mean not america canada which mm. is slightly different we wear our ambition in a slightly different way um but still i i i, I think ambition for if particularly if you're a self-employed artist ambition is what's going to actually put food in your mouth you can't sort of walk around being you know not blowing your own trumpet in a way you know it's just kind of you have to get on with your life that yeah. way so Especially being an actor, because oh, yeah. that is passion, isn't it? That's just nothing but creativity and passion. Absolutely. And I think the misconception I had about having children, which is fair enough, is that I thought, well, it's going to... Of course, it's going to change my ambition, but I also thought it was going to dull my ambition. I just mm. thought something was going to happen to me. I was going to be a different person, which, of course, we do become different people. But ultimately, I had nothing to worry about in that way. I mean, I have another very, very good friend who, she's also in the business and she always wanted to have a child and just couldn't. And for years and years and years and years and years she tried. And that, trying to have a child actually became her biggest project. That became her creative, I mean, it sounds very glib when I say that, because actually it was like a deeply painful, passionate time which she approached just magnificently and she ended up eventually conceiving through the help of this fertility specialist from America. Mm. She's got this beautiful daughter now. That's a whole other, because I think that's another interesting aspect of it because I have so many friends who are artists who wanted to be mothers and couldn't as well. I'm I'm always acutely aware of their experience in and around my experience of trying for many years myself, eventually having my daughter and now being a mother, but knowing that that isn't the be all and end all of my identity. Because if that was the be all and end all of my identity, then what is what am I saying about them? Mm, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That somehow they are like half women or unfulfilled or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And we know that that's not true. Yeah. The Ambitious Mum Podcast. I mean, would you say that the nature of working in the performing arts is because it's so fast-paced, competitive, mm. that some women would be, you know, nervous to say, right, I'm going to start a family now, when maybe they're just getting to the, the best bit of their career or what they think is the best bit of their career. 
and you feel like, oh, if I, you know, if I get pregnant now, someone else is going to take the next job or I'm not going to be able to travel to, you know, to the next job. I mean, how much pressure is there? I'll tell you one thing. When I was, uh, right before I found out I was pregnant, I was in the process of being seen for this massive new science fiction series playing a lead part. And uh, I'd been for a few meetings. And this is one of those series that would have been like life altering, right? Because mm. I would have been on this fantastic payroll. I would have been working in North America. I would then have, you know, be doing probably Comic-Con for the rest of my life. So there'd be constant income. This is when I was like young actor, you know, not earning a lot of money and stuff. And I thought, this is it. And the last meeting I was going to have, I was, they were going to fly me to Toronto for a screen test. And uh, I was filming something else here, and I was feeling a bit like under the weather. And I was having to wear a corset and kind of clothes and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, what's the So the driver was going out, getting bits for people going. He was saying, oh, well, um, I'm going to go down the shops and do a run at the shops. Do you need anything? And I said, yeah. Do you mind bringing me um, a Snickers bar and uh, a pregnancy test? And he was like, Okay. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I've never been asked for that before. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Because <laughs> I just wanted to discount it. Because for me, because I had so much trouble conceiving, I was like, it's impossible for me to be pregnant anyway. Mm. But I would always discount it. So then I knew what I was dealing with if I was feeling weird, you know. So we came back and I was in my little trailer. And I had a Snickers bar, obviously. And then I did this, prank, peed on the little stick. I looked at it. And there was a cross. And I was like, oh. Leave it up to me to get the one broken pregnancy test. Like, this is ridiculous, my luck, you know. I kind of sat, I was looking at it like, and I thought, hang on a second, how can you break a pregnancy test? All you do is pee. <laughs> and it just dawned on me, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So the first person I phoned, should have probably been my mother, <laughs> was my agent. Okay, not your, par- <laughs> not your, not your partner. No, no. <laughs> It goes agent yeah, agents. partner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the order of importance, you know what I mean? And uh, I phoned him, he's like, oh, great job. Great to speak to you, right? So they're going to fly you out for the screen test in Toronto. And I was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. I'm pregnant. And he was, it was just silence at the other end of the line. And in a really choked voice, he was just like, congratulations. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You could tell he was like, because he's got kids. He knows the joy of it. Yeah. The guy's a feminist, like, proper. He's, like, a proper woke dude. But he suddenly had this realisation. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... It was so... Let me tell you something. I'm going to, I'm going to say something. I'm going to be totally frank, right? Because um, this is a whole other avenue. But I'm just being frank so that you know what happens, what can happen in, in your mind, and you know that you're not... I just want people know, to know they're not crazy. But I promise you... For a nanosecond, not even a whole second, for a nanosecond, I thought, I should have an abortion because I can't fuck up this job. Mm-hmm. I promise you, I thought that. And then for the rest of that second, I was like, what the hell are you thinking? That's ridiculous. You've literally been trying to do this for years. Like, wait, you know, mm. but it was literally a nanosecond. I thought, I've done something terrible. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really brave to say because I think people need to hear that you have that women have these two or maybe several voices going on on their heads telling them all different things and yeah. what happens if you don't do this or you yeah. do that or you take yeah. that or you shouldn't have the baby there yeah, 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 yeah. whereas without meaning to generalize men don't have that thing if they become a father that's not going to have a massive impact on their career it's not necessarily going to slow them down no they, they, you know 
it depends on whether or not that maybe that child has particular special needs or something yeah. or do you know what I mean but you felt you were on the cusp of something and yeah then... it was like whoa and then within I tell you what so obviously I had to let that job go but within like weeks that job they lost all of their money wow and the whole thing was pulled just went down the tubes the biggest lesson for me was if I had been of that mindset of I'm definitely going to get an abortion because my career is that important to me, mm. that's what I've had to be dealing with. Do you know what I mean? That feeling of like, cause I, because I would have placed all of my confidence in this thing that is so ephemeral mm. that can just crash and burn from second to second, yeah? Now, by no means am I saying on your podcast that women who decide to have abortions because they want to get on with their career are bad I am not saying that at all. Because yeah. we have to make our own decisions from moment to moment. And we will know in our lives what's best for us in that moment. Correct. But for me, from my experience at that time, it just made me think, imagine if I had placed my confidence on something that would have just crashed beneath me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like if, I had the, if I was robust enough, if I, I would have had to be so robust and actually fundamentally not really want to have kids at that moment. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. If I really didn't want to have kids at that moment, then it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Oh, I lost the job. Whatever. But you... It wouldn't matter. Yeah, but you knew that you'd been waiting. Yeah. Do you know? So it was but a, a split second. The waiting second. didn't stop that nanosecond of yeah. thing, of it going, this, I'm a terrible person for wanting this for me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So when you eventually had your daughter yeah. um how did that what kind of impact did that have on the career that you had before and the career you had afterwards yeah well i mean the the impact also happens in the nine month gestation right because there are some women who feel fabulous they look fabulous and they can keep working mm. in that nine months i had problems with my cervix um so i was in, in danger of having a late-term miscarriage so I had to be in like nearly total bed rest. Mm. Um, so hard. do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was really like, hard. I kind of had to like let go really quickly. Like you're not doing anything, you're not going, you're grounded, you were grounded. So you couldn't go to auditions, you couldn't... It's funny, I did one for like, they wanted to see me to play one small part in something and it didn't matter that I was pregnant. But I just screwed up the audition as well because I just wasn't in there. Mm. I just sweat because the room, the energy in the room is still that professional energy, which I can deal with when I'm not heavily pregnant and trying to be, really be careful how I walk so my baby doesn't fall out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was awful. And I made some really distasteful joke about like leaking <laughs> milk or something. And they just looked at me like I'd just taken a dump on the table. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like this, I'm just dying in here, right? Yeah, okay. But they, they want, they're saying, we don't mind that you're pregnant, but they really don't want somebody who's pregnant. Do you know what I mean? They Maybe just, you kind of just knew the vibe straight away and oh you just, it was all not working. It was the worst. It was just the worst. And I, I'm just not, that's not me. I'm not that person who can, and as well, I had really bad morning sickness for three months. I mean, I did keep, so I did, let me think. I did one job at the very start of my pregnancy before I found out that there was something wrong with my cervix. So I wasn't that big. And uh, I was nauseated all the time. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. Towards the end of the pregnancy, I was just at home. And then afterwards, I decided, after I had her, I decided that I would not do theatre for at least two years. Because I couldn't, just the hours, for me, were prohibitive. Mm. Um, 
I am somehow, I managed, it was, oh yeah, I managed because that job that I did at the very start of my pregnancy paid me enough money. This was before the crash. So before the crash, television salaries were at a particular level. Mm. And I had a guest lead in a series. And they paid me enough money that I could live on for a year. And by living on, I'm not saying like, we weren't going on holiday. Yeah. I mean, I was just like buying groceries. Living in London. Yeah. Paying my mortgage. And that was it. Nothing fancy at all. Mm. But because I couldn't work because of this issue with my pregnancy, I lived on that piecemeal for the whole year. And then decided I don't, I don't want to do theatre. And then it was just a question of faith, like what's going to happen? Because my partner, that I'm her dad, was also freelance. He was a yoga teacher, so we know that money. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was my good fortune that when I bought my house, it was before the house prices went up. It was right, it was before the crash, so I'd had you know had that little money that I could live on. Do you know what I mean? With yeah. People now, I don't know how young people can manage that. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I have to live at your mom's house because how? Right? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So. I then got a, I got a call for another t- a TV series when Widow was about four and a half months old-ish or something. And by this point, the money that I'd had was running out, right? And I was breastfeeding and stuff, and I was in that, you know, you're tired all the time, and you're not showering and all that. Yeah, sleep deprived. Do you know what I mean? I remember going to the audition, and I had to wear the one black dress, or the one dress I had that looked vaguely okay was black. And it had this hole in it, and so I had to wear like a black tank top underneath it so people wouldn't see the fact that it was like, I don't know, moth eaten or something. <laughs> and my boobs were huge and leaky, and I just I remember sitting there in the waiting in the waiting room, staring, like you know that kind of dead-eyed stare, and you get you know, and you're like <laughs> dripping milk. And this woman was standing in front of me, she's like, Tanya. And I looked at her, I was like, oh, oh yeah, hi. Yeah, you can come in now. Oh, right, like I was so Lie, yeah, yeah. Right? Just grateful that you were child free for a Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I get into the room and I think I was just in such a mind state. I think it was just the perfect mindset to that kind of audition, to do like to be auditioning for a, a new regular lead on a TV series because you're so kind of like, look, the fact that I got here at all and I managed to not smell and leak on you is like a huge accomplishment. So So did you get the job? Yeah. And the guy said to me, um, so you have a new baby? how would you get, because it was filming in Ireland, in Dublin. Okay. And he said, so how would you get to Ireland? And I just looked at him and I said, on a plane? Like, I didn't mean to be like rude, but I, just, I, I couldn't process the question at all. Yeah. I was so like milk brain. And they thought it was really funny. <laughs> so they started laughing. I was like, yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So I ended up going, so when she was five months old, we all decamped, well, myself and my daughter to camp to Dublin for okay. two summers to film this thing. Okay. So that helped me put more money in the bank so I could eat. Yeah. We could both eat. And it helped me to pay for uh, nannies when I was over there. Yeah. And luckily one of the other actresses who'd been there for the last several series also had a child around the same time and they created a crash in the offices. Okay. That sounds pretty progressive. They were really lovely. Mm. I mean, I have to say, the Irish, not to sound like totally generalising, but they really like kids. Yeah. They really like kids a lot. So they were so, like, so helpful. Okay. trying to give me numbers of people I could try to call for childcare and 
Yeah. Really I guess sad. they just so friendly, aren't they, that I get, they want to help. Yeah. The Ambitious Mum, the podcast about ambition, motherhood and everything in between. So you, I guess so you've basically from a young age when your daughter was young, you yeah, just yeah, knew yeah. that she was going to come with you and that was just the way it was. And yeah, she's my wingman. Have you got fa- have you got family in the UK? Are they all in Canada? No, I don't have any family here. I'm literally on my own. I mean, my mum came over for the last few months of my pregnancy and until Willow was about three months old. So I had my mother here, which is difficult because we're both alpha females mm. in one house <laughs> and we both have opinions on childbearing. Yeah. So I came very close to kicking her out several times. But then you realised you needed her. Do you know? It was <laughs> like, oh God. But um, yeah, it was so helpful. Like I'm so grateful for that time. Yeah. Her being here. Because you kind of think, you know, my mum lives around the corner from me. And if it wasn't for her, I mean, she's not around all the time. My brother lives abroad, so she goes out there to see him. But, you know, it is really hard when yeah. you don't have family around, when you've got kids, yeah. to just go, oh, I'm meant to be at work and one of them's ill. Or, yeah. you know, like now I'm here in London, and I kind of think, oh, if someone, one of the teachers calls me to say, I'm, um, you know, hopefully my husband would go, but the second person I'd call is my mum. Yeah. Um, and so with in your profession where people are dotted around and you're sent, you know, to different countries and different cities, is that do you think that also is a, a added pressure to female actors where they have to kind of always worry about that extra dimension when they've got kids and you know what do I do with pulling them out of school or I need to or do I have to get more childcare but again you know when I'm speaking to the young people about you know god what happens in the future when I have kids how do I deal with it I just say that you've got to cross each bridge as you get to it like I would never you know I would just say that you can't let concerns like that tell you that then it's going to be impossible because every obstacle is surmountable Mm. do you know what I mean you just find a way to do it it's not ideal. Yes, tears will be shed, both by your child and by you, as you probably know. Mm. There have been times I've felt awful, man. Like, just awful to see her little face, you know. When Does she, she understand younger. what you do now? No, obviously well, when now, she was younger, yeah. Now, yeah, you know. I mean, when she's younger, you know, she'd probably cry, you know. It'd be heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Just because, of, you know, like, I'm going away to work. Oh, just kill me. Now... She's 12. She's got a phone. We text each other all the yeah. time. But she's still like, Mummy, I miss you so much. Come home, you know. And, oh. and the last time I went away, and she got flu. So then you're just feeling like, I'm such a jerk, you know. Like, I'm, su- I'm such a terrible person. And you've got, you know... But you're irrational. You if, you, if your friend was in your situation, mm. you would tell your friend that it's not your fault that your daughter got the flu. You know? And your daughter's probably, you know, realise, you know, half an hour later is having fun on the on a phone with a friend or yeah. doing something fun and it's not really thinking about you. Okay. I mean, I we went away um, for three nights, which we never, ever do um, abroad. And I was properly stressing about it with my husband. And I was but they won't remember this and this and about the food. And I was like literally kind of like having an anxiety attack about leaving the kids. Yeah. And we would speak to them. None of them missed me. None of the, everyone was really happy without me. Yeah. I came home, they were excited to see me, but they were like, when are you doing that again? That was really fun with my grandma. 
And so they, it kind of made me realise, actually, I, of course, I'm their mum and I am not, I am indispensable. Yeah. But at the same time, if I go away for three nights, four nights, yeah. they'll all cope absolutely fine with that. Yeah. So do we put that pressure on ourselves? As in, like, do we put that, to, you know, you're saying you felt guilty, but is that coming from anyone else? Is that just purely your intrinsic guilt it's taking just, over? It's just my, that's, I think that's I'm, personal, isn't it? It's that, it depends on how you react to those things. I just, mm. You know, it's like a friend of mine calls it going global. It's what, you just like suddenly, everything about you is just awful. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you can't be specific at all in those particular situations. It's very unfortunate that I'm away, but I'll be back. It's no, it's like, I'm just a terrible person. Because your little babies at home going, you know, poorly. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you just want to be there giving, giving them your special brand of nursing and stuff, you know. And also as women, we also are, you know, a little bit dictated by different times of the month. And like oh at a certain God. time of the month, we could be, you know, smashing everything and yeah. thinking everything's great. And then three days later, the world's crumbling around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is another thing that we have to talk about, I think. Yeah, because that's massive hormonal shit. Yeah, <laughs> it is, because that also has an impact on the way we view ourselves mm. and I guess our careers and also how we parent. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> God, I mean, now, I don't know if I'm going to leave this podcast interview feeling depressed. Oh, or, no. Or happy. <laughs> oh, God, because it's so I think hard. It's, it's more of a conversation that isn't... I think it just needs, it's, there's honesty mm. and there's compassion. And I think, for me, one of the biggest reasons doing this podcast is to talk about things that are happening yeah. and whether they're good or they're bad. So yeah. other women can turn around and go, oh, okay, so, you know, if I want to become an actor... I need to, you know, recognise these things or yeah. I just want to have a career with kids or I don't want to have a career and I just want to be a stay-at-home mum. These are the things that I yeah. need to be aware of. Exactly. Like, I've, I've met a couple of uh, friends recently, colleagues, who know 100% that they do not want to be parents. Mm. I find that really refreshing. Just really, like... Like, that must be such a freeing, freed place in your mind and your mm. psyche. Yeah. If you don't have any of that kind of baggage or questioning, or, or if you've done that already, you've been through that process of questioning, who am I, what do I want, you know, where do I see my life going? And the answer is firmly, no, I'm right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's... They're taking a big element, aren't they, of worry from their lives. Yeah, yeah. And removing it. Totally. Yeah, I find that amazing. I mean, that's a really patronising. I find that amazing. So brave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it like that at all. It's, I just, do you know what I mean? It's just like... It kind of simplifies things in one way, but you're obviously taking what could be a lot of joy in another way. Yeah, but also I find that... I'm sorry, that was my phone dropping, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, they, I, what I witness is them having to defend themselves a lot as well people going oh you'll change your mind mm. and stuff and they're like no <laughs> you know what I mean yeah it's sort of like they're making a mistake or something like they don't know their own minds or whatever and do you see that pr- more in the industry that oh. you work in 
would you say that people so you say you've made it to a point um whether you're working in the theater or on tv and you have kind of got to a point where you're like okay things are going well do you think then people make that decision to to say right you know what children is just not it's not part of my path i guess because you lit your your work is quite in a a sort of concentrated environment Mm -hmm. where maybe it doesn't reflect all of society but your, the ambition is so strong, isn't it? Because you really want to make it. Or would you say that being a parent, working in the performing arts, does kind of strip away some of your ambition? Gosh, I mean, again, I think it's down to each individual. Um, I also encourage young people to, you know, look at, find people who they who can secretly be mentors to them in their mind. Because there are, I look at people ahead of me, other actors that I admire that are successful and are happy, they have lots of kids, and I go, well, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? Mm. What's the difference between them and me? Do you know? Their career didn't fall flat. Yeah. You know, I, I know one actress, a hugely successful career, she's got three kids. And you sort of go, how uh, did she fit that in? Well, clearly she did. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's no kind of worry. Of course, she also has like a really stable marriage and all that kind of support. You know, I managed to have one child because... My marriage wasn't stable. I sort of quite late. I had her at 35. Um, so if I was going to get another one in, I would have had to, you know, kind of get on with it. Mm. And uh, we knew because of the nature of our relationship that it just wasn't on the cards. Mm. You know? I think, again, it's about really crossing each bridge as you get to it. What I do say to people, though, as well, right, what I find with mates who have kids... Um, and if they're in a, like a rehearsal situation or whatever, if they're dealing with, like if they have to leave early, for example, to do the school run, which is a big thing, you know, when your kids are at primary school age and they need that kind of support. Yeah. What they will do is they'll feel awkward and kind of embarrassed or all sort of different, and they will ask permission. Can I leave at, um, can I leave at two today because I've got to do the school run? Which then gives the director, whoever, the opportunity to say, no. Mm. What I say to people, and I'll tell you what, and I did this from the off, I never had this problem just because maybe I'm a bit obnoxious. Don't ask, tell. Yeah. Never ask permission to do what you have to do as a parent. You tell them what you have to do. Because then they, have, they go, so you say, um, so if you, you're planning ahead, you're planning a week, you, you go, right, I know that so-and-so can do the school run on that day, so-and-so, whatever, you know, there's a payoff, there's a kind of exchange in there, mm. so I know I go to the school run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever. So I'll go in ahead of time, because also, that's why you want to be respectful of the whole work, creative and working yeah. process. And I'll say, right, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm leaving at 2.30. Um, at a push, I can leave at 2.45. Period. You know what I mean? And then you let them sort it out. Yeah. You know? And if they're like, oh, um, um, you just say that that's the way it is. I wonder if that's maturity or experience or just being older that you feel like you can do that. And whether if you're slightly younger or you're not as foreign in your career, if you've got that um, confidence to be able to say, this is what it is. Yeah, possibly. It's it's a tricky one because it's not it does it's not just within you know your industry. It's probably you know from speaking to lots of other people and knowing mm-hmm. you're there and you're clock watching and the palpitations are going and your stomach's flipping and you think I yeah. need to get I need to be at that and then you drive like a lunatic to get to the school gate. Yeah, and you kind of think you get there. Yeah, and 
then the kids kick off. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, don't even yeah, appreciate yeah. anything that yeah. you, you know, the snacks and whatever. Do you think, is this even worth it? Well, I think, I don't know, in my, in my industry, it might be different, for example, to yours, if you're in, in that situation, because in my industry, what I do know is if I'm already, if they've hired me to do a play, yeah? Yeah. And I'm doing a part in this play, and we have an X amount of weeks to rehearse it and get it on. And they know who I am when they hired me. Mm. I have at least that confidence in well, they can't find it. Yes. So I mean, if I'm saying to them, I'm leaving on at two thirty on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Deal with it. Yeah. I dare them to fire me because then they would be completely screwing themselves over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you knew who I was when you brought me yeah. on. This is you need to also get with my life flow as well. I guess we it's being together. as transparent as possible. So Absolutely. in any industry, you come in and you sort of, I guess maybe. If, Ten years ago, people were a bit more like, "Oh, don't talk about the kids, don't do yeah, this." But yeah, now yeah. it's like, "Okay, I've got kids. This is my situation, and you yeah. know, these are the days that I can work." But it's not that easy in, in a lot of other, you know, jobs. So I can imagine. But also, what what I am bringing to the table, what I am in the room as well. I think that's where my ambition really managed to stay and strengthen and crystallize. When I'm in the room. I'm bringing 110, 110%. I'm bringing my A game all the time. Mm. So they're never seeing a woman who's thinking about the school gates or whatever. Even if I am, do, I mean, I do that on my break. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to text Quick. anyone, like, yeah, <laughs> you know. I remember once filming this thing, I was doing a short film, and I got this call saying my daughter had an accident in the schoolyard and she was at A&E oh, and she managed to dislocate her thumb like literally out of her hand, like it was floating away from her hand. She had to get surgery to get her thumb reattached oh, to her bloody body. And I'm there filming this thing. Not, I can't leave. So what, I mean? did you, what did you do? I just had to wait and film, film the rest of the day. Yeah. The boyfriend I was with at the time happened to be around. You know, they got to the hospital. I think they managed to dig up her dad somewhere. Yeah. It happens. It just, stuff happens, yeah. you know? Exactly. And uh, again, talk to people. The other actress I was working with on that day had a similar experience. Her child had an awful accident once. Awful. And you sort of go, okay... The more you talk to people, you realise you're not alone. Exactly. That's really important. Yeah. Don't keep that stuff to yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because no matter how much everyone looks like they've got their shit together, mm. and it doesn't matter, you know, you don't know what's happened from the car <coughs> when you walk in and yeah. back again. And everyone thinks that, th- you know, they've got everything organised. But mm. I think you're right. The more we talk, and one of the reasons for the podcast is for people, for women to be able to you know, let their guard down a little bit and yeah. say, yes, my career is important, but these are the things I struggle with as well. Yeah. And I think no matter what, as women are wanting to have careers alongside families, these things are, are always going to be around. It's not like we're suddenly going to be able to materialise this perfect balance yeah. and everything's just going to go swimmingly. Like, there's always going to be stuff. Exactly. But like, we're always going to be intuitively or innately connected to our kids, maybe a little bit more than men. Yeah. I don't know. Like, we just have that extra level of worry or anxiety yeah. or we can't compartmentalise as much. Yeah. I find that, maybe with my husband and I, that we... I never stop thinking and he can go into a meeting or work and he won't be worrying about the Christmas presents for the teachers or the um, after-school activities that need to be sorted. Like, it's just... Yeah. I think just women, it's just all flowing around in our heads all the time. Absolutely. What are you working on at the moment? Are you, and is there going to be a series three of Motherland? There is going to be a with series three of Motherland. 
motherland. Yes, there is. Okay. That was announced That's officially, the most... so I'm not giving away any secrets. Okay. We film that next year. That's exciting. And you film that in London? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So that makes your life a little bit To be honest with you, what I am doing next, which might be of relevance, is uh, I'm actually having an abdominoplasty. Wow. Tomorrow. Can you tell me what that is? So that's when... So, you know when... When we carry our babies, mm. and that there's that muscle in the front of your uh, um, abdomen that kind of splits... Oh, it's the divert, yeah, yeah. And, you ha- and, they, and it stays open, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes. So I, basically, since I had her in 2007, mm. in 2013, and ever since I had her, I've always felt slightly dead down there, and it like, you know what I mean, like a bit sort of, and you do the Pilates and the echo and all that mm. stuff. In 2013, I got a, very bad back injury and I was working with a personal trainer doing a job in the West End and uh, it's been so ever since then 2013 I've had a disc problem that has just been excruciating I mean it's just been awful yeah and you know my daughter's like oh, mommy remember when your back made you cry like sometimes it's just everything has to stop yeah. you know and just at the beginning of this year I kind of, you know, in New Year's resolution time, and I kind of thought that I, I realised that I'd spent, last year I was filming a lot, and I spent a lot of the time on set in agony, because you're wearing weird shoes and you're on like concrete floors and da 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 The beginning of this year I was like, I kind of accept that I'm going to be in pain all the time. That's which, horrible. Which is really bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought, why don't I get go and have a consultation with a surgeon and see if I can get this my tummy sewn up, you can get it like kind of put back together, okay. do you know what I mean? Yeah. To see whether or not that will help support my lower back. Yeah, I can, this, this I can imagine it must do. L6, yeah, I'm just, it, and it was in my own hypothesis, it wasn't anything, this wasn't like a GP's diagnosis or anything. Okay. This was my own kind of like, desperate measures for desperate times. Yeah. You know? So I went and consulted with a surgeon and I was like, can you do this? And he said, well, yeah, I had a woman who had 10 pregnancies. I was thinking, wow. <laughs> Oh my God. He said, he said, yeah, she had 10 pregnancies. And he said, when I opened her up, her bowels literally came out at me. Like there was no kind of muscular support at all. Okay. Of course I haven't had 10 pregnancies. But that kind of made me go, I'm going to follow this. This is like an educated guess for me that this might be a problem. So I'm, so I'm actually having that done tomorrow and it's going to close it up for me. Okay. Yeah. And how long is the recovery? Um... I guess it's kind of like having a C-section, I would imagine. I mean, I think, like, he said I can be back in the gym, like, four to six weeks or something. So you're not making Christmas dinner then? No. (laughs) But I did book it in a pub so that if I was up and hobbling around, you could have dinner. Okay. Normally I would cook. Okay. So I hope you're going to be looked after. Yeah, my partner's taking time off work and stuff. Okay. And who knows, like, what, what, what would depress me is that if I went through all this trouble and it didn't make any difference at all, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, God... But um, well, he wouldn't do it if he didn't think do that you know what I mean? it was there was some form of success rate. Yeah, exactly. You know, what I hear very often is like busy women. It takes them to have like some major operation to be able to chill and yeah. to have a bit of time for reflection yeah. and a bit of time. That's to... what I'm most nervous about, though. You know, I'm most nervous about when I get home and I'm in bed and I can't do anything. 
what the hell happens then? You're going to write some incredible TV series and you'll... <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm just going to be like... clean the kitchen. <laughs> Literally, like... No, you hear this. You hear, like, people go, I came up with my business idea when I was in my hospital bed. I came yeah. up with this idea. And because we don't naturally stop, do we, until we're forced to. So whether yeah. it's something like illness or operation do you or... Know? So... You know, I've got to have a very minor surgery in January, which means I've got to have a general anaesthetic and I'm yeah. going to be in hospital for one day. Yeah. I'm like using this as like a mini break. It's wow. like a spa break. Oh God, that's such a good attitude. Because I've been like, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart. No, you need to change, change, reframe the situation and use yeah. it as a situation where you're going to create the best create thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Hey. I look for forward that. in six months time to hear what. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And get back on the Pilates mat and see if it makes any difference. Oh, I still. hope so. Well, I wish you lots of luck with it. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you so much. This thank has been you. a great conversation. Yeah, thanks very, very much. So I got on the train after my meeting or my conversation with Tanya. And I realised I forgot to ask her one of the questions that I really like to ask my guests. And that is, what would you tell your younger self when you'd first had your baby? And what would you tell her now being the person you are today? And so I did. And she got back to me with another voice note, which is, I guess, is very 2020. And this is her response. The advice that I would give my younger self um, after I had my daughter would be a question, which is, what if it all goes well? And I'd ask myself that question because I was so incredibly full of anxiety and it was very hard for me to imagine that anything I did or the outcome of anything I wanted would go well and that was just circumstantial really because my relationship was in a really bad place, the pregnancy was really problematic, the birth was (laughs) 51 hours and and not very straightforward and my mum was overstaying and I had a very difficult relationship with my mother And I just felt like I was kind of surrounded by wolves, really. I just felt really full of anxiety. And all I wanted was for this little bundle to know how much I adored her. I was just so full of anxiety that I couldn't even go outside with her for around three weeks. Um, Which, funnily enough, is completely different to my parenting style, which is to a degree more laid back like I was you know I'm one of those parents that if she falls over you know I never go running screaming to find you know oh my god my daughter's fallen over I you know it's like she gets up she brushes herself off and we carry on you know like I was always very pragmatic that way with her but the anxiety was with all in me and in my head and I still think I carry a lot of that with me in terms of am I doing okay there's no manual you know So, yeah, I suppose the advice I'd give myself was just to ask myself, well, what if it all goes well instead of all going badly? So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. 
in order to help grow the ambitious mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag the Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on the Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.